I'm glad you're all here. I hope I'm here. That's what I'm hoping right now. Especially in light of this sermon, because the title of it is Everything is Permissible, but... Have you ever felt like that? Like, you can do anything, and then all of a sudden you have this little doubt or something that creeps in your mind? Well, I'm not really sure if I can really do that. You ever wanted to do something, you thought, well, maybe this wouldn't be the best thing to do. Even though it's okay to do it. Like chocolate cake. Or German chocolate cake. Amen. Yes. Can we get another amen on a Sunday? Yes. So we're going to look at some things this morning that deal with what is permissible for us to do, what's not good for us to do, but at the same time realize that just because we can doesn't mean we should. And I want us to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. We're not going to spend our whole sermon talking about sexual immorality. If you need to talk about that, we will set you up with a counselor somewhere else. But we're going to talk about what's right and what's not right, and what we can do, what we shouldn't do, and even what might be right, but sometimes what we won't do. In Romans chapter 6, this is a passage of scripture from Romans, even though we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. I want to share this with you. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound or increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Paul, not only the letter to the church of Corinth, but the letter to the church of Roman and other places, he talks about the fact that you and I have a propensity. We have a habit of realizing, that, hey, I've been forgiven. I live by grace. Therefore, I can. And all of a sudden, we walk down a road or run down a rabbit trail that gets us into trouble. And Paul doesn't want us going down those. He wants us to be careful how we live. He wants us to honor God with our whole bodies. That's the reason at the end of this passage in chapter 6, he'll share with you in a few minutes, he talks about it's important for us to honor God. Do you not realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And if the Holy Spirit lives in you, then what we do with our bodies is important every single day. Paul writes in chapter 5, the first few verses, 9 through 11, I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of the world, who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers and idolaters, in that case, you'd have to leave the world. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slanderer or drunkard or swindler. With such a man, don't even eat. Those are tough words. We live in a world that's R-rated. Did you know that? It is. It's R-rated. You have to be careful what your kids see on anything anymore. They're, I mean, it's just crazy all the things that can pop up. If you've been on a computer screen, you know that there are ads and you didn't ask for those ads to pop up. They just show up. Someone bought some space on Facebook or bought some Google AdWords or whatever that they buy. And all of a sudden there are these things that pop up and they just show up. And sometimes they're not very pleasant. And they're very offensive. And then sometimes you'll be sitting at work and somebody will just, out of the blue, just drop the F-bomb. And if you don't know what that is, I'll spell it for you later. Or they say other things that are just totally off the wall. But we live in a world that is really R-rated. Sometimes X-rated. We live in a very, very different kind of world than it was a few generations ago. And if that's the world that we live in, we as believers have to be super careful about how we should then live in this world. We have to guard ourselves and, and protect ourselves from the things in the world that can get into us and cause us to be distracted from the mind of Christ. That's what Paul is really talking about in this passage it's not just the sex that he talks about. We don't mind talking about avoiding people who are in, living in sexual immorality or committing sexual immorality. We don't mind talking about that because they're doing something that's wrong and we can easily point the finger at them because it's just easy to do that. And unfortunately, sometimes I think it might even be more fun sometimes for us to point that finger. But Paul talks about some other characteristics of people as well in this passage that we seem to overlook conveniently. 
like uh, being greedy. And I pulled some definitions. This is from not just the Webster's Dictionary, but this is from some of the original language kind of stuff. A person who's greedy is one who wants more by trampling on the rights of others. You want something. You want more of something. And you'll take advantage of other people around you, brothers in the church, people out in the world. You'll take advantage of, of them to get what you want and more of what you want. That's a person with whom we shouldn't be associating. Someone that's an idolater, a worshiper of false gods, especially heathen entities. One of the greatest heathen entities that you and I have the opportunity to worship in our world today is called money. That's what it is. It's money. We spend an enormous amount of time and energy chasing the almighty dollar. And I'm not against people making money. As a matter of fact, some of us in this church need to make a lot more money. Because if we made a lot more money, we could give a lot more money and we could retire the debt on this building. Do you know what I'm saying? Those are wonderful things. It's not that money is bad in and of itself, but let me tell you, there are a lot of people in the world, even in the church, who chase the almighty dollar to the detriment of their relationship with God, to the detriment of their family, to the detriment of honoring God with how they conduct their business. There's a right way to do business. There's a not right way to do business. And as God's people, we have to make sure that we're doing the right thing. An idolater is someone who chases after false gods, especially heathen entities. A slanderer, one who injures another's reputation with abusive insults. Some of you have said things about my preaching. And I heard it through three or four other people. And you didn't have the decency to tell me. I'm right here. You can tell me if you like it or not. It's okay. It's okay. But I want you to realize that sometimes we're not very careful about what we say. And all of a sudden, before we realize it, we're going down this slippery slope talking about somebody or something about what they're doing. And saying things that are disparaging about them and causing them to have a bad reputation, even though the reputation isn't necessarily bad, but we're saying things about those people, almost fell off, that are causing them, <laughs> causing them, have a bad reputation among our family. That's not what Paul wants us to be like. He doesn't want us to behave that way. And then there's those that are swindlers. They're just ravenous robbers and extortioners. And I thank God, I don't know any of those in this church. I haven't known any of those in a church in a long time, just to be honest with you. I did meet a man once, but that's another story for another day. All I'm offering to you is that it's not just the sexual immorality that Paul's talking about. It's the quality of life that we live in so many areas of our lives. And he's, and he's going to show us that, look, there are a lot of things that are okay to do, but just because it might be okay to do them or expedient to do them, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do or the best thing to do for the circumstances. You get where I'm coming from? Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. He goes on. And he writes this, if any of you have a dispute with a brother, you dare to take it to an ungodly judge. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you're to judge the world, are you not competent to judge individual cases? Do you not know that we'll judge angels? I have no idea what that means. If any of you have an idea what that means, let me know. I have no idea what that means. I don't even know if Paul knew what that meant, but he wrote it. Because somewhere in, the, in his mind, this Holy Spirit put it in there. But it's somewhere we're going to judge angels. I don't know what that means. But he goes on, he says, if you have disputes about matters, don't you have people in among yourselves that can judge these things and take care of these things? Why do you have to take it out into the court system? Why do you have to go out there? He says this, wouldn't it be better to just be wronged? 
Why not rather be cheated than to take your case, your situation, your circumstances out into the world where the world can see it? Why would you want to do that? Now, I'll tell you why we do it. Because we live in the United States of America. And it's the 21st century. And we live in a world that is extremely litigious. we got a couple of attorneys that go to church with us here. And they can tell you how litigious our world is. They can tell you about some of the challenges in the world of the court system. They can tell you about some of the, the trivialities and the ridiculousness of the suits that are brought against neighbors. But who are we in the church to engage in such activity? Paul is like, look, just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Why not rather be wrong? Jesus put it this way. If somebody asks for your coat, why don't you give them your shirt too? If he asks you to go one mile, why don't you go two with him? That's what Jesus said. That's how he put it. If someone's taking advantage of you, somebody does something, why not just be wrong? Why do you have to fight it? Now, see, that rubs against us in a big way. We don't like that because the world around us says, no, you stand up for your rights and you fight for everything that you have. And if somebody's trying to take it away, you stop them. That's the world. I have news for you. We just sang a song a minute ago. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. You remember that song? We just sang it. And there's a reason that song is powerful because this world is not our home. The rules and regulations that govern this world don't necessarily govern us who are believers. I don't care what legislation is passed in Sacramento. It doesn't matter. So long as it doesn't impede or hinder me from serving the God whom I've given my life to serve, what difference does it make what laws they pass? I don't really care what they do in Washington, D.C. Congress is going to go nuts in January. It's going to be exciting to watch on TV. The drama will be amazing. Regardless of what political stand you want to take, it's going to be amazing to watch. But regardless of what they pass, what, if they pass any legislation, regardless of what they do, regardless of what our president does, it doesn't impact me to serve God. It doesn't hinder me from serving God. Now, if they pass a law that says, hey, shut the doors of the church, I got a problem with that. I have a problem with that. If they pass a law in the, in the state or national level that says you can't teach this anymore, or this, even though the Bible says you can't say that, I have a problem with that. I probably would not obey that law. If I have to go to jail, so be it. At least I get three squares in room and boarding. I mean, it could be worse. They could kill me. And that wouldn't be so bad either. A lot of us are afraid to die. It's not so bad if you die. The older you get, the more the fondness grows to go home. It's true. Paul says in verse 12, everything's permissible for me. That's what the church in Corinth was saying. Everything's permissible for me. I live by grace. I can do whatever I want. The grace of God covers me, takes care of everything. I can do anything and everything. But he says, just because grace covers it doesn't make it beneficial. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Everything's permissible for me, but I'll not be mastered by anything. And this is a really important statement that Paul makes. What is it that masters and controls your life? What is it? Now, I'm going to meddle just a little bit if I can, okay? There are a lot of things that we deal with in our world that control us that we need to get rid of. Okay, we need to get rid of it. You know somebody that's got a problem with drugs or alcohol, sexual addiction? Guess what they need to get rid of? Uh, drugs and alcohol, and they need to figure out a way to deal with the sexual addiction. That's the reality of it. 
You have a problem with being controlled by FaceTime? I got a new phone yesterday. I'm still trying to turn it, figure out how to turn it on. But there was this little question that they asked me on the phone. It says, would you like to have a recording of the amount of FaceTime? I wasn't sure what it meant, but I clicked yes, just in case I didn't mess up the phone. So I clicked yes, and then I flipped through the phone this morning, and I looked at it, and it says, you spent 47 seconds using your phone. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure I want people to know that. But I want you to think about it. How, you remember the video last week? How many of us need that Facebook time? How many of us need that Instagram time? How many of us need that time surfing the Internet? How much time do you spend wasting your life away looking at a television set? except for football. <laughs> Amen. Yes, yes, that deserves a round of applause. Yes. Literally, what is it that controls your life? What controls your time? And I'm going to offer this to you, and I'll be so bold as to say this. If there is anything in your life that is controlling you, that is keeping you from serving God, you better get rid of it, and you better figure out how to get rid of it quick because you don't want to go to hell because you wanted to do something here. You get where I'm coming from? You do not want to be mastered by anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When we, we, when we became believers, when we accepted Jesus, when we died, we gave up all of the worldly stuff. At least you were supposed to. You gave it up. And if there's anything in this world that is controlling you, by all means, you better get rid of it. Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your eye causes you to do something bad, pluck them out. Uh, what do you think he's talking about? It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. But what's more important? Living without something here and going to heaven? Or living it up here with whatever it is and not going to heaven? And I'm just crazy enough to believe that it is a salvation issue in the end. Because every single one of us will have to stand before the judgment seat of God. And we will have to give an accounting for everything that we have done. The good and the bad. And the last thing that I believe any of us want to want to do is to stand before God. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. Because we have been mastered by something in this world. If there is anything, if there is anything that controls you and keeps you from serving God, you better figure out a way to get rid of it. If you need help with that, I promise you, there are brothers and sisters right here in this church that have dealt with some of the very things that you're dealing with. We have recovering alcoholics in this church. We have recovering addicts in this church. We have recovering sexual addicts in this church. We have recovering everything in this church. That's why we're here. And there are people here that can help anybody here get through whatever it is. You got trouble with money? You're chasing money? Can't ever get a handle on it? Show up on Sunday morning. Get acquainted with Jason. I promise you, Jason can help you figure that out. He can help you figure that out. But guys, we've got to let go of the things that master us. Except Jesus. Except Jesus. 
several years ago, Stephen Covey, some of you remember him, he wrote a book about habits. And one of the expressions that he coined in that book that became wildly popular, it's used in trainings of all kinds around the world, was you have to begin with the end in mind. Well, let me ask you a question. What is the end for us who are believers in Christ? It's heaven, is it not? Remember, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid out. Guys, we have to begin with that constantly. We have to be aware that at the end of our lives, when we draw our very last breath, we are ultimately going to stand before God and have to answer for what we've done. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, if you'd been in the adult class this morning, you would have known that I shared a little story about me gaining weight and losing weight. I'm not going to rehash the whole story. But I'm going to offer this to you. Our bodies are the temple of God. And I know some of us don't take very good care of ourselves. You're looking at a guy who hasn't taken good care of himself sometimes. I haven't. I eat things I shouldn't eat. Sometimes more. I don't exercise like I should. I was annoyed this morning. I went for a long walk and I got home and my phone showed I only took 348 steps and I know that wasn't right. I took at least 5,000 steps this morning because I've done it before with my old phone and it tracked me. 5,000 plus steps and I only got 348 this morning. There's something wrong with this phone. <laughs> Guys, we don't take good care of ourselves like we should. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Back in the day, Back in the day when Jesus was walking on the earth, what was the most important building in the whole city of Jerusalem? What was it? The temple, right? What would happen to you if you desecrated the temple? What would have happened to you if you'd gone up and throw rocks at the walls? What would have happened to you if you'd gone into the holiest of holies, the holiest of holy place, and decided, hey, you know what? I think I want some of that stuff. Give me some of that stuff. What would have happened to you? You would be a dead man. They would take you out of the city, they would take you to the, to the lower valley and they would pick up rocks this big and they would stone you to death. That's what the law said they could do. I don't know how many times they did it. But that was what the law allowed them to do, okay? Temple of God, presence of God in the Old Testament, temple of God, God's there, it's a holy place. Yes? Yes. Oh, New Testament, totally different world. Temple of God, where's the temple? You're looking at it. This one's mine though, you can't have it. You have your own temple. And when God gave us his spirit, guess where it lives? In here. So what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Now look, I'm not here to throw you under the bus and say, hey, we all have to weigh 127 pounds. Our BPI must be so much. And our blah, 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 fat intakes would be so much. And our, what do they do when they squeeze you and figure out how much body mass index, that BMI, is that it? I can't believe I remember that. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is making sure we honor God with our whole lives. And even the physical part. Because guess who lives in here? And what about your mind? Because see, the physical body is not just the physical blood. And it's not just the tissue. It's not the air in the lungs. It's not the, all of that. It's 
It's the mental part as well. So what's in between the ears? What are you putting up here between your ears? What are you putting in here that you're listening to on a regular basis? What do you listen to when you ride in the car? What kind of movies do you watch? What do you read? Do you even read anymore? What do you read if you take time to read something? What kind of magazines do you like? <clears throat> I'm just asking you, where is God? Where is God? Because see, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you in a very significant way. And Paul says we should honor God even with this. Even. Let me talk to the first two rows here. Right here, look at me. Look right here at me. Mr. Costa, right here. Thank you. All of you guys, except for those three right there, you're not married yet. Yes? This, this is yes, this is no. I'm not married, right? You're not, okay. And, but there's going to come a day when you're going to start dating other people, right? Say yes, because God willing, you will. Your mother and father want you out of the house. <laughs> Amen. They're all, they know it. So here's what I want you to remember. Young guys, men, when you start dating that woman, you need to treat her like she is absolutely the daughter of God. Because she is. And you don't touch anything. You don't grab anything. You don't mistreat anything. Because that lady is God's. And you ladies, that man, that young man that you decide to spend some extra time with, just because you're spending time with him doesn't mean that he has the right to do whatever the devil might put in his head. No way, no shape, no how. Uh -uh. You honor God with your body. And you don't give it to anybody for any reason until that day. When you stand before somebody and he says, I do, and you say, you do, and y'all do, and you figure out how to do it, but that's another lesson for another day. You get where I'm coming from? You see, even at your age, you get to honor God with your body. Now, the rest of you who are sitting here think you've just been overlooked. I'm not overlooking you either. Because let me tell you something. There are a few of us here in this room who have to travel a little bit. And some of us in the room, we get to go out and do other things, and the spouse or that significant other person that we love is not with us. Well, guess what? You best be careful when you go out there. And when you go to work, when you go to the store, wherever it is you go, you better be careful in how you treat other people and the expectations that you may have, not only of yourself, but from other people. Be careful with that. Honor God. Brandon has decided to lead this song for us. Oh, to be like thee. My real request for us all is that we would be like Jesus. We would be like God. We would be like the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> they're perfect. Well, good luck with that because you ain't going to be perfect. You're not. But I want you to realize that even in the midst of being unperfect, we still have enough sense about us to know what is right and what is wrong. Even if it's permissible, it may not be the best thing to do. And even though it's okay, it might not be the right thing for these circumstances. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And just because you can doesn't bring honor to God. This passage in Corinthians spends a lot of time. As a matter of fact, even more is to come. Chapter 7, and it's all about people getting married and not getting married. And it's just a hot mess. If you haven't read it lately, go home and read it. 
But I want you to realize that God has called us into these relationships to bring honor to his name. Everything is about bringing honor to him. And so in your life right now, I just want you to think about how you're living and is God being honored in what you do? And if he's not, whether you come to the front and ask the church to pray with you or you stand right where you are or you fall on your face when you get home tonight before you go to bed, I want you to commit today to honor God with your life. Everything about your life. Don't let anything master you. Give it all to him. And when you do, then you can sing with joy, Oh, to be like thee. Brandon, come and lead us in this song. I invite you to stand if we can pray with you in any way, if we can help you with anything. We can sing this song. We're here to help you. Shepherds in the building. Their wives are here in the building. Let's sing this song together and encourage one another. Amen.